Hi, this is Herb Kressel, and welcome to the June Radiology Podcast. Uh, this morning, I'm joined uh, by the authors of uh, two uh, fascinating papers on uh, digital breast tomosynthesis, uh, both dealing with uh, synthetic uh, 2D views uh, and comparing the synthetic 2D views with uh, digital breast tomosynthesis uh, combined with full field digital mammography. And the papers are from uh, two different continents and so I'm looking forward to a, an interesting and, and quite informed discussion. And joining me uh, is uh, Dr. Per Scani, who's a professor of radiology at the Oslo uh, University Hospital, and he's the head of the breast cancer screening program uh, in Oslo. Welcome, Professor Scani. Thank you. Uh, and uh, also joining us today is uh, Dr. Margarita Zuli, who is associate professor of radiology and the director of breast imaging at the McGee Women's Hospital at the University of Pittsburgh. Welcome, Dr. Zuli. Thank you. Uh, nice to have you both here. These are really interesting uh, studies, uh, a lot of interest in uh, breast tomosynthesis. Uh, but the question that occurs to me is, uh, why do we need uh, synthetic 2D mammography? Dr. Scani? There has, in the last couple of years, been a lot of discussion. Do we need to view TOMO, or could we only go on with one view TOMO? The main issue has been the time needed for doing both, both techniques, and especially the radiation exposure. And the experience so far, in far uh, over most of the um, publication is that two view TOMO has a significantly higher cancer detection. So it seems that we would, would need uh, two view TOMO, but two D TOMO plus two D conventional uh, FFDM means uh, more than a doubling of the radiation dose, and in a screening program that will not be acceptable. And that is the reason why we really need synthetic 2D. Now, the, the limitation with the digital uh, tomosynthesis data, does that relate to the number of projections or the amount of uh, photons, the dose that is used? Dr. Zuli? Well, I'm not sure that it's um, either. We don't have any study to demonstrate different uh, pieces of equipment with different projection views to determine if one is a more accurate exam than the other. Um, nor do we know that it's the number of photons. Of course, you know, you, the better the image, the probably the better the ability for us to detect small things. Um, possibly uh, the reason that the accuracy isn't 100% is a perception problem because it takes radiologists longer to look, but there's a lot to look at, and so there's a maybe a slightly higher chance of a perception error because there's so much data to look at. Uh, I see. Now, uh, Professor Scana, in your study, uh, one group had uh, an earlier version of the uh, 2D synthetic image, and the second group had what was called C-View, which is an upgrade. Uh, what's the difference between the uh, older version and the C-View version? 
uh, our experience is that you see the desmoplastic reaction, that means the fine speculations around the tumors much better using the last version. I see. That is, uh, that is the main, main improvement. And from a uh, technical point of view, do you have any idea of what makes, what's the reason for the resultant improvement? Is it a filtering or some other image processing? I think that is a secret from the manufacturer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. they, they have not told me exactly what that is. <laughs> Uh, and uh, one question that occurred to me is, is why not just try thicker slices of the digital tomosynthesis data that you have? Uh, that's what we do in CT. Uh, Dr. Zuli, uh, do you have any experience with this? Yeah, when we first started with tomosynthesis, we tried precisely that. We tried making the slices instead of one millimeter thick, maybe half the diameter, the thickness of the cluster of calcium, or maybe the full diameter. And the amount of noise introduced into the image was so significant by that, we call it slabbing, that we very rapidly stopped using it. I see. Dr. Scani, any experience with uh, thicker slices? Um, we were eight radiologists taking part in our also trying, and uh, the, uh, the, my, uh, the colleagues and was free to use labs if they wanted. And I asked them um, uh, after some time, several uh, time during our study, nobody used labs <laughs> in, in, in the, uh, but to keep in mind, we, we used a batch reading mode. Yes. So it, it, it was batches up to 90 cases of women per batch. That means you are under a hard workload session. Yes, yes. Well, uh, we've sort of talked about the topic, but perhaps uh, you both can briefly describe your studies. They, were, they address the same question, but in somewhat different manners. Uh, uh, Professor Scani, uh, tell us about your study. It had a very large uh, population. The, our Oslo trial was part of the breast cancer screening prog program in Oslo. So it was a, pro um, a prospective trial from our daily practice, all women attending the screening unit were invited to attend the tomosynthesis the, the, um, um, trial. So it turned out that approximately 71% of the women attending the program really underwent tomo. Um, so that means during these one uh, screening rounds, we had uh, we examined 34,000 women. At the end, and of these women, 25,500 women advanced to mm -hmm. And then we had a four-arm study uh, with the four independent readers doing batch reading mode for every case and alternating between the different arms. So that means it was a heavy study in some way. And we tried to balance the reader, but we had to to hire three external radiologists, so it was impossible in, in, in the busy daily workload to get absolutely balanced. But it was independent uh, reading in four arms. We had four viewing stations, and then one reader locked into one of the arms, the others were blocked, so it was absolutely independent. So it was a, a prospective trial. Um, and what did you find? 
And what we find was um, very interesting and uh, uh, was that there is no difference in the false positive rates between the combination FFDN plus TOMA and synthetic QP plus TOMA. There is no significant difference in the recall between these two reading modes. There is no significant difference between the cancer detection rate using these two modes, and there is no significant difference in the positive predictive value between the two readings modes. That means that the synthetic 2D in combination with TOMO is comparable to the conventional FFDM plus TOMO. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Zuli, you used a different method but came to a similar result. Can you tell us about your study? Yes. What We did a retrospective review of cases that we thought were difficult. And so we created essentially a stress test, if you would. And we selected, there were two radiologists, myself and one other, who selected cases that we thought were challenging. So they weren't large, they were relatively subtle. And then we also selected normals that were difficult. And those were primarily cases that had been recalled and then turned out to be normal with one year follow-up. We tried to represent the range of lesions across the spectrum that you would see in clinical practice and densities to try and recreate clinical practice as best as possible. We then created um, two modes of reading. The first whereby we had the radiologist read the synthetic mammogram and give a forced spirid score and a probability malignancy on a scale of 0 to 100. And then we had the second phase where the radiologist read the standard mammogram and then the tomosynthesis. And so they would rate the, the 2D, whether that was synthetic or digital mammogram, give the scores, and then look at the, the uh, TOMO so that we could not only compare the synthetic to the 2D mammogram, but we could also compare the combination of each to see the incremental improvement with tomosynthesis. And it was a completely random sort for each radiologist, so we tried to load balance as best we could, and there was a washout between modes. And essentially, we found what Dr. Scane found, interestingly. We found that five of the eight radiologists performed slightly better with the synthetic mammogram than they did with the standard digital mammography, but it wasn't statistically different. Um, and the difference between the combined modes for synthetic and 2D was also not statistically different. And so, essentially, what we found was that the screen, the uh, synthetic mammogram could replace the 2D mammogram for the use in breast imaging. Interesting. So the, uh, yeah, when, when the papers came through, we were, uh, uh, although the methods were quite different, the fact that the results were so similar, I think, uh, lent further strength to both of them. But when I, when I read your paper, Dr. Zulia, I was thinking about this enriched data set and that the, you know, the pretest likelihood is probably higher than what you would encounter in a screening uh, population. Uh, and uh, do you think that actually creates some form of a selection bias? Do you think the population is representative? Well, 
it, it, I think it does create somewhat of a bias because when you're working with an enriched set, it's been shown in reader studies before that people perform slightly differently than when they're practicing in the clinic. Mm-hmm. There's that, um, and so it's hard to get around that in a retrospective review. In order to avoid that, we did try our best to try and represent all the lesion types, including calcifications and masses and distortions. But yes, every retrospective study has that bias. Now, just going further, on the uh, bootstrap fixed reader analysis, although you didn't have a statistically significant difference between modalities, uh, you, uh, the p-value was 0.08, which is uh, getting close, uh, even though it wasn't uh, significant. And uh, do you think the case selection bias could have affected this? It could have. It also could, it could be that we just didn't have an, enough data. We, we, you know, maybe a larger study would have shown a statistically significant difference. Do you think that the, currently that there is a need for obtaining 2D views either separately or reconstructed? There's like been a year or two since your studies were gathered and no doubt there's been further technical improvement. So are we still in an era that we need to do these 2D synthetic views? I think that uh, in a um, uh, screening uh, session, not in a screening interpretation session, the radiologists would like to compare with priors. Okay. The radiologists would like to compare right and left breasts and for comparison with priors and right left, what, what is so important in the, um, uh, for, uh, for detecting small lesions in the screening, you will need 2D. I'm definitely convinced we will need 2D. Dr. Zuli, do you agree? I do agree, and I have a, um, a, a thought that what we're looking at in these two papers is actually the beginning of where we're headed. Um, these synthetic images are essentially a representation of the slice information. They're, they're basically a MIP of the slices, and so one could theorize that when they're optimized, it's possible we won't have to look at the slices akin to CT, where you don't actually look at the level of acquisition. You slab the data and look a little thicker. And so I'm thinking that these synthetic images may replace the slices at some point in the future or allow us to read the cases uh, faster. But as I read the papers, a uh, question that occurred to me, uh, we also are seeing some work on uh, breast CT. And uh, do you think that that will prove to be a viable alternative to digital tomosynthesis? Dr. Zuli? Well, I have been working in the area of breast CT for about five or six years now, and I'm very interested in exactly this topic. Um, Thus far, I think that, you know, tomosynthesis is a little further down the development road. And so right now, uh, in the head-to-head comparisons I've done it just in our shop, tomo's performing slightly better. But I'm very optimistic about breast CT because it does really, truly give you a three-dimensional rendering. So it's something to think about in the future. Professor Absolutely. Skana, what's your view on this? You see, uh, in uh, Europe, we have population-based screening programs. And that means in most countries in Western Europe, we are inviting all women 50 to 69 years, some countries also from 45 to 74 years. But let's say, take Germany, they have 
four million women in the age group 56 to 9 years. If we should improve a population-based screening program, it must be with a modality that could be implemented with a limited cost. So I, uh, I, I, I think, okay, you could perhaps do even better performance with the, in the future with the bed CT, a dedicated bed CT, but not in, it couldn't be implemented in the next years in our European population screening programs. Unless perhaps someone figured out a way to drastically reduce the cost, I imagine. Uh, now, speaking of sort of the transcontinental divide, in Europe, uh, biannual screening is common, while in the U.S., although that's under a little bit of uh, review, it is most commonly annual. And do you think your results are in any way uh, affected by whether the screening is annual or biannual? Uh, Professor Skane, you're from Europe. What's your thought about this? I think we will go on with um, biannual. It will have no, it will have no influence. Okay. Dr. Zuli, where are we going and how does the use of digital tomosynthesis, is it all affected by that? Well, right now we're still doing annual mammography. Um, I think tomosynthesis is a, is a nice step against mitigating some of the harms that are purported against mammography. It, reduces recall rates, it increases invasive cancer detection rates. Um, I think we're definitely heading in the right direction with this tool. I'm not sure that it's going to help solve this particular controversy. With respect to the results, the outcomes from our two studies, I think that it probably doesn't matter if the patient presents annually or biannually. We're just simply showing that the technology is equal to what we've had or, and hopefully will be better in the future. And uh, thank you. The last question that I have, and it's a bit off the mark, but uh, the press here has been uh, rife uh, covering the new Swiss governmental policies uh, where they are no longer uh, going to support screening on a governmental basis. So uh, I wonder, uh, both of your views, what, what's the fallout of this, and does that affect uh, digital tomosynthesis. Professor Scani? I do not think that the Swiss decision will have any influence on the other European countries. So they, uh, they organize population-based breast cancer screening program in Western Europe, nearly all countries in Western Europe. They are so well established that uh, the decision of, uh, of Switzerland will have no influence. Dr. Zuli? You know, the, the controversy is roaring right now in the United States. Um, I don't believe that the Swiss government discontinuing funding of screening is going to have a huge impact in our country. If, if we didn't have funded screening or covered screening, if you would, I think there'd be a huge disparity between those that can afford to pay for an exam and those that can't, uh, which would be very upsetting. So we'll see. Well, on that sour note. Uh, I want to thank you both for what has been a very, very stimulating discussion. Uh, I uh, recommend the two papers uh, in the June issue to all of our listeners. I want to thank you both for participating. Thank, thank you. you for inviting me.